0: Welcome to Season 4 of Business Book Talk. I'm your host, Bob Garlick. This year, we have even more great books to help you excel in business and life. You can search for book topics and themes at businessbooktalk.com or subscribe using your smartphone for great content on the go. Hey everybody's Bob again I've got leadership blind spots how successful leaders identify and overcome the weaknesses that matter by Robert Bruce Shaw Robert thanks for coming on the show my pleasure so let's talk a little bit about this uh, this book uh, it's it's fascinating because I you know I've been going through it and gosh it really makes me, wonder what my blind spots are. There's there's some great worksheets in the book. I started going through one, and I found some blind spots. So for people that, uh, from any walk of life, this book has value. But for an organization, can you tell me really why leaders need to be totally aware of their blind spots?
1: Well, one of the themes I address in the book are the consequences of having them. Mm. And as you become more senior in particular, the mistakes you make can have far-ranging consequences, so part of it is understanding what your blind spots are, and then those that you need to focus on, with the understanding that not all of them are critical.
0: So how can you tell if one's critical or not? I mean, it's it, is it an obvious thing, or is that another blind spot?
1: Well, it's a matter of judgment, and the key for leaders is being aware of them. So you notice in the book, I have a number of chapters dedicated to how to surface the blind spots, and then the leaders need to evaluate the extent to which they're problematic. But where leaders get in troubles when they're unaware of them. And then, of course, can't act on them if necessary.
0: Yeah, you mentioned this in the book that uh, a lot of times leaders are, are, are surrounded by people that are basically, oh, yeah, that's good, that's great. Does a leader need somebody that they can trust to go to and say, look, I'm working on this book, or I, I, I need somebody just to be brutal with me uh, yes. and be truthful? Yes.
1: the Part of what the savvy leaders do is they find individuals who can play that role. Now, typically, there's one individual within an organization who's particularly candid and knows the leader well and and serves that role, but they can be also in targeted areas. For example, you might have blind spots relative to strategies, relative to execution of those strategies within a company, and you can find different people who can provide input around different areas of blind spots. But you find the best leaders deliberately go about putting people who have that ability around themselves and that's one of the best things you can do in order to surface and protect yourself from blind spots.
0: You know, when you're when you're you're trying to get people to help you uh, see your blind spots, and uh, you have them come in, or say, "Hey, dude, tell me where 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 am I screwing up here?" Is it the leader's responsibility to kind of coach that person in that direction? In the sense Absolutely. that, like, you know, I've been, you know, I got this book, I've done these checklists. Which ones do you think are me and which ones do you think are half baked? Well,
1: and then ask the, Go you ahead. You mentioned the worksheets in the book. Mm. You can go at it two ways. One is a general way, and it's as simple as someone that you trust saying to them, What do you see as my blind spots? Explaining these are potential weaknesses or threats. And then listen to what the individual says. And often, Top of mind, they'll have areas that they think the leader is ignoring or not um, recognizing to the degree necessary. Or you can use the worksheets, which we surface different types of blind spots, and have the individual complete one of the worksheets and then have a discussion around that. But to your point, it is the responsibility of the leader to provide the forum for that and the different ways you can do it. And part of the key is simply just asking the question. Mm. What do you see as my blind spots? And then listening. The tendency, most of us, has become defensive at that point rather than understanding or asking for examples
0: of when that blind spot was evident. Yeah, a lot of blind spots are painful to discover. They are. Now, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, you've been doing this a long time, and you decide to put the book together. You're writing the book. For you, what was an, uh, the aha moment? What was something that really clear um, became crystal clear for you by putting the book together?
1: Well, one of the concepts I mentioned in the book is this notion of the optimal margin of illusion, mm. which is to be slightly more positive than reality would warrant, but not so positive or optimistic that you're denying reality and I went into the book thinking that blind spots were inevitably bad, but I came out of writing the book, thinking that in some cases they're actually helpful. The key is not to let them become excessive or damaging, and that 's why you need mechanisms around you to protect yourself from that possibility.
0: Mm. Well, it's almost like you go into a spiral of self-doubt and say, oh, I've got a blind spot, and then, then you start this witch hunt of, like, this must be another one, and this must be another one, and then you lose your confidence.
1: Or the blind spot's related to a strength, and if you're mm. not careful, you start to doubt yourself. Mm. And so that's where it's an interesting dynamic between you want to be aware of what they are, but if you're too aware or you're focused on the wrong blind spots, it's actually distracting. So one of the things I argue in the book is that very often great leaders have equally great blind spots, and they're not all bad. In some cases, they allow them to do audacious things. But the problem is they also run a huge risk, and that's to your earlier point where you need people, and I talk about processes as well and practices that prevent those blind spots from becoming derailers.
0: For a person that's you know managing a larger organization or even a small organization, just being aware of your blind spots gives you incredible advantages though
1: well the other thing i would add is being aware that you have them even if you're not aware specifically what they are so it's often the case if you look at the literature on confidence people are typically overconfident and that doesn't mean that doubt's not an issue that you have to deal with but overconfidence can get you into trouble so to understand that you have blind spots in certain areas and be willing to explore those even with a curious attitude is extremely healthy the other thing that I talk about in the book as a technique is take a look at your mistakes over time and see if there are any patterns in those mistakes. Very often, the patterns point to a blind spot. The thing you're repeating the same mistake over, and you want to say, "What's the dynamic of that? What's driving that mistake?" And that often gives you insight into what your reoccurring blind spots are.
0: Now, as a manager, you know you have two choices: that you discover a blind spot and you say, "Okay." I am uh, I'm gonna fix this myself or I'm gonna hire somebody into my organization that's going to counter that negative thing is yeah. that a viable strategy as well
1: well I think it is I'll give you an example I talk in the book about a leader who has a tendency to assume that other people have her values so when she's making hiring decisions she assumes that they think the way she does they value what she values and through some painful mistakes she realizes that's not the case now that's a blind spot she can be aware of, but the tendency is she's going to continue to have it to some degree. But if she has someone around her who's evaluating talent with her and understands what her own blind spot is, that person can be very helpful in the sense of surfacing areas that the leader may not look at naturally or um, needs to pay more attention to in making a staffing decision. So I don't think it's the only technique, but certainly a helpful technique. Mm.
0: Now, how do people or how should people approach the book? Can they get away with just jumping right into a section they're interested in, jumping straight to to the worksheets, or should they really read the first part of the book and then skip around?
1: They can skip around. In fact, one of the things that I did in designing the book is the first third of the book, the first few chapters are around the concept of blind spots and how they operate. And then the second half of the book is really around technique. And there's some people who are less interested in concept or interested in what they can do. They can move straight to the second half of the book and the chapters that are focused on particular areas. Um, and to their interest, even within those chapters, they can focus on certain areas that will be helpful to them. Mm.
0: And now, in the book, you've used a lot of anecdotes and examples. Did you have a, a favorite one you think is, it really brings the point home?
1: Well, I'll give you an example of a blind spot, which is fairly common. And I talk about blind spots at multiple levels, so Mm -hmm. blind spots about our own impact and behavior, blind spots around our teams and people that we work with, about our organization and markets. But within those four areas, you can find specifics in the book and examples of each. But the one I'll I'll highlight here is an individual I worked with recently, and she assumed she had very good working partnerships with her commercial colleagues. She was in a functional role or is in a functional role. And it turns out that they didn't think very highly of her and had questions about uh, the value she was bringing to the business. She had no awareness that they felt that way. And it was a aha that surfaced for her and something that she needed to address, um, which before the data surfaced, she had no clue that that was a potential issue or was a major issue in terms of how she was perceived within the organization and the impact she was having. Huh. Yeah,
0: you know, that is interesting because you're working in your your bubble of reality and then uh, you get a book like this and it bursts that bubble. How do managers, how should they psychologically deal with stuff like this? Because for some of them it, it could be devastating.
1: It's one of the downsides of being aware of your blind spots and I advocate in the book as you saw that all things being equal you want to surface the blind spots but you have to do it in a way that doesn't erode your confidence. So the key for me is how you uh, internalize that data and then you act on it in a way that you still remain confident. And there's no formula for doing that. That's each leader has to determine how to do that most effectively. And that can be a difficult process. And often the the blind spots that are most central are those that you don't want to look at. And and part of being confident as a leader, being able to do that and move forward. The, The common belief is that you can do that easily. My experience is different than that, that if you're not careful you erode people's confidence and then you have a larger problem on your hands
0: yeah rebuilding the confidence
1: right <laughs> but but if you think of the other side of it which is leaders who have multiple blind spots are incredibly confident um, even arrogant and they end up doing very foolish things mm. so that's the balance which is when we sustain your confidence but at the same time be aware of your vulnerabilities and then to your earlier point that's often what's helped about people around you can do that but I also talk about having processes that put you in touch with what's going on in the organization and markets, um, and have a number of mechanisms in place that prevent the downside that blind spots present. Mm.
0: You, you mentioned this in the book, uh, establishing a three-strike rule. Is that what we were just talking about? Is that um, one of the the mechanisms that you can bring into place to handle something like that?
1: It is one. He was a CEO that I work with. He used that with his team, and basically... He was a very um, smart and demanding um, individual, and people could easily be intimidated. And so what he put in place, what he called the three-strike rule, which is if you come to me with an issue and I reject your proposal or your suggestion, then I want you to come back to me. But the nuance on it is said, come back to me the second time or even the third time with either new data or more support from others. I don't want you coming back and just making the same argument. And then the notion of three-strike is if I reject it three times, then let it go. And the example that he used was he was considering an acquisition that he was against, but a member of his team was an advocate for it. And it took three attempts to finally get him to sign on to the acquisition, which he did, and it turned out to be very successful.
0: Hmm. Now, in your section on overcoming blind spots, you've got, uh, let me just read them, what did you, uh, five steps, seeing it for yourself, seeking out, dis- um disconfirming data, developing uh, peripheral vision, uh, find trusted advisors and promote productive uh, fights or promote productive fights. Um, we've kind of gone over some of these, but is this the order that you should be doing them in or, or can you jump around? You'd like. Trying to trust the advisor and then go back to seeking out this confirming data, or should it be kind of in this order as it escalates You say, okay, this isn't working, maybe I should try another step, this isn't working, let me try the next step.
1: You don't have to do it in the sequence that's listed in the book, mm. but if you think about there's a logical flow to that. So it's not a hard sequence that you have to do the first before you do the second or third. Mm. But part of the logic of the way those are laid out is first Having exposure to both the company dynamics as well as market dynamics and getting a visceral feel, and then being more active in that next chapter about surfacing things that disconfirm what you believe, mm-hmm. and then so on through the next three chapters, techniques you can use. But they're not you know, dependent on each other. You, you can establish any of those in the order that you think appropriate, and the, the argument is the more you have, the more effective you're going to be as a leader.
0: Now, when do you stop looking for blind spots? When do you stop? Yeah.
1: You don't. Yeah, exactly. Part of what I found, and one of my clients mentions this, the more senior you become, the more careful you have to become. Because there are a number of dynamics within organizations that produce blind spots. And if you Mm -hmm. look at leaders who derail, and I give a number of examples in the book, often they're very talented, very successful individuals who end up having blind spots at a senior level, and that causes great harm to themselves and their companies. And so you don't stop. Now... The hope is as you progress through your career, you're more aware of what your reoccurring blind spots are. But there are new challenges and new dynamics that you have to have constant vigilance to make sure that you're not going to have any that are going to be debilitating.
0: Do you ever get the thing where you you uncover or you discover a, a blind spot which you deal with, but then you realize like, oh, there's a whole pile of other blind spots now that I can actually see because that one blind spot was blinding me to five other blind spots?
1: I haven't thought of it that way. um, I think part of the pattern could be is once you start opening up to the fact that you have them, which sounds self-evident, but many people operate in in ways that would suggest that they don't. Other people have them, but they don't. Uh, Then I think you're more open to seeing them. Mm. And part of the skill in this is being open, but at the same time be able to prioritize. One of the arguments I make in the book is that other people aren't necessarily right about your blind spots. There's some literature that suggests that others see our blind spots better than we do. And there's certainly merit in asking others. But eventually the leader needs to assess whether that blind spot is real and whether it's something worth acting on. So I I think to your point, once you start opening up to that, you're more open to seeing them in other areas as well.
0: Mm. Uh, You know, interesting enough, uh, I did a book review uh, about a month and a half ago, and and, um, it was used the... Mechanism, but and basically, what happened is, is you know, you ask somebody to describe a person, and they say, "Oh, he's a great worker; he does this." But then the last thing say, "But," and then they'll say, "Da da da." That seems to me they're describing their blind spot.
1: So, in your your view, they're describing their own blind spots well, or other way? people's
0: blind spots just as a mechanism to helping people. You know, if you go to somebody, say, "Can you describe Joe, the manager?" Yeah, I and yeah. and then then taking this book. And going to Joe and say, Hey, Joe, you know, I've just done a survey. We seem that this seems to be maybe your blind spot. Um, let's deal with it. Is that a hard thing to, to as a manager, try to help? Uh, instead of using the book to help yourself, also taking the book and, and approaching other people and saying, Let's work together towards your blind spots.
1: Well, part of what I do as a consultant is to address this. I do, for example, uh, many 360s. Mm. And one of the questions that I ask is not only what are the person's weaknesses, But also, what weaknesses are they unaware of? Those are two separate questions. They may have a weakness that they're fully aware of. In my um, approach, that's not a blind spot. That's a weakness, which they Mm -hmm. address adequately or not. A blind spot is a weakness which they're unaware of. So one of the things you want to do is understand in yourself and others if there are areas they're just unaware of and therefore can't act on. Now, in some cases, people become aware of them, but they still don't act. And that's a different issue. But the, the whole point of giving feedback and conducting assessments of various types is to surface those things which you're unaware of. Then you need to determine whether you're going to act on them or not. In some cases, it's a matter of capability. In some cases, it's motivation. But part of the process and the worksheets in the book and the overall approach is to make sure those are visible.
0: Yeah, and, and up until now, we've been talking about blind spots as, as, a, as a, a personal thing. It's like this person has a blind spot. But right. in the book, uh, I think it's Chapter 5, you start talking about actually having blind spots that you're just not aware of what's going on in certain parts of the organization.
1: In large organizations it's increasingly common and if you think about being a senior leader you become isolated mm. through levels of hierarchy or the nature of the work that you're engaged in that takes you out of touch with frontline colleagues or customers. So it's almost inevitable that you're going to have some and you can see the consequences in some of the cases I present in the book. So what you want to do is make sure you don't become isolated. And that's that first chapter in terms of um, techniques that you stay in touch with what's going on. And I find many senior leaders I work with don't recognize the importance of doing that. And then blind spots develop and they make decisions based on faulty information.
0: It, you actually, later on in the book, uh, you actually have a chart here, uh, see yourself summary of actions and moving forward. Uh, you talk about the frequency you should do this type of thing too. It's like... You, go to this department once a month and have a walk around that type of stuff right Um, let's talk about reviewing results how do people review their results I mean it seems pretty straightforward but a lot of you know if you're dealing with blind spots and you're aware of that blind spot and you start dealing with the blind spot how do you step away from it and analyze have I overcome my blind spot or you need somebody else to come in and, and help you do that
1: Well, one of the challenges in the book, and particularly the self-assessment, is how to get people to be aware of that which is typically unrecognized. And once you've recognized the blind spot, for me, my own personal experience, and I think this is true for leaders as well, there is an aha moment where you say, that has been driving some of the mistakes I've made or some of the problems I've had. And then you stand back and you determine what you're going to do to correct it. Now, the belief that many times is that, You can change your mindset. My experience is you put in other mechanisms. And you talked earlier about having people around you who can navigate a different point of view or surface them. You can be in touch with customers and so on. Um, So there's a number of things you can do. But one of the key themes in the book is surround yourself with mechanisms that surface those blind spots, particularly those that you're aware of. So I gave you the example earlier of hiring. If you have a blind spot in hiring, you and someone else to be a counterbalance and to help you make sure that you don't make the same mistake again.
0: In mm. chapter two, how to spot blind spots in yourself and others, um, then it goes into chapter three, the common blind spot hold, uh, holding leaders back, and then chapter four, why blind spots are uh, an ever-present challenge. Out of those three, I would think number three, uh, chapter three is the most important the common blind spots holding back leaders because you kind of define what blind spots are and that can be a blind spot in itself
1: well what I did in that chapter is I looked at my own experience from consulting for decades and said what have I seen now that mm. this is not meant to be exhaustive but in essence these are the things I typically see mm. so for example the the first that I mentioned is I often find leaders think they're more strategic than they are mm. And it's not necessarily just a weakness, but a weakness they don't recognize. So you can go through those blind spots that identify, and for yourself and for others, you can say, are these areas that they need to focus on? And as you said, they have a worksheet that enables people to have others provide input on that and then a discussion around it.
0: Hmm. A lot of this seems to be self-actuating in the sense that, that a person that has to be, look, I need to change or I need to look for blind spots. What what about leaders that um, aren't in that headspace? Can they be changed by reading a book like this or is it something that they would just, it's not going to work for them?
1: For me, the hook for many leaders, even if they're not particularly um, prone to self-reflection, is to identify the threats they face and the things they're not recognizing. Most leaders that I know are very, vigilant in terms of either weaknesses that will get them into trouble or threats externally. That doesn't mean they're self-reflective, but they want to know them. So part of the, um, the process is say these are things that are going to cause major concerns for you and your organization if you don't address them. Now, you don't want to overwhelm a leader, and this is part of the role the confidence can play, but what are those things that are most critical? And I find that leaders are receptive when, when it's phrased in that way. It's not and um, they're inferior leaders or they have uh, character flaws it's more these are the things that are going to get you into trouble if you don't pay attention to them and leaders are receptive when it's phrased in that, that manner most leaders that i know
0: hmm. now for people that ha- have read the book or, or are interested in getting the book is there an online resource that that's uh, they can go to
1: If you go to the back of the book, there's a link that takes to my company website, and there's a survey as well as other resources that people can access. Mm -hmm. And and we're also going to put up a number of blogs which are now being posted that people can uh, reference in terms of the book.
0: Mm -hmm. What about somebody that's in an organization, sees that the people above them, have blind spots and it's damaging the company. It's a very tricky thing to be able to, you know, to go to an organize you know, somebody above you uh, and say, hey, this is going on. Um, how, how does somebody handle that?
1: Yeah, it's a great point because the power dynamic is such that often the blind spots, as you mentioned earlier, are those that are people most sensitive about. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving feedback to someone above you, and interestingly enough, there's some research that giving it to peers is even more difficult than giving it to your supervisor in terms of how peers typically interact within a, a team. So it's not only vertical in terms of giving feedback to supervisors, but how do you give feedback to peers as well about what might be blind spots? So part of what I talk about in the book is how do you establish a relationship, and that can be difficult with a supervisor or even a peer, that enables them to be more receptive to that feedback. And you have to do it very deliberately and carefully. It's not something that people always want to hear. Um, And the belief is that people always want to know what their blind spots are, but in some cases they don't. And it can even damage the relationship that you have because they're defensive relative to that blind spot and, and frankly, don't want to hear about it. it. So on a situational basis, you have to look at each relationship and determine how you do that. But that's something that the individual should think through and not assume that just because it may be accurate and helpful, the person necessarily wants to hear it.
0: Yeah, and not very appreciative in some cases.
1: Well, Marshall Goldsmith, who's done quite a bit of writing on executive coaching, he has a funny line where he says, the only thing that's problematic about feedback is those in power typically don't want to hear it, and those below them typically don't want to give it. And (laughs) there's some truth to that. So some of this is determining how you do it skillfully, what setting you do it, how you position it, uh, with the intent being you want to help the leader avoid mistakes that are going to be problematic for him or her or the larger organization
0: let's talk a little bit about a leader that does want to change. Um, he's you know he's, he's read the book or the book's been introduced by uh, somebody else and and they're going through it as, as a, like a workbook. Um, how does they, how do you keep the flow going? you know a lot of times when, when you have an organization wants to do a change it becomes like the flavor of the month. they do it but they don't do it for a long enough time.
1: Some of this is the leader understanding what those reoccurring blind spots are or the particularly damaging blind spots are, mm. and then having either people or processes that keep that in check. I, I, the way I describe it is protecting yourself from yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a one-time conversation, but it's more people that know what you need to watch out for and are giving you additional feedback and data on an ongoing basis. So it's an informal contracting with others, and they could be inside the organization, sometimes outside, with people such as myself and being receptive to that. So there are executives who have coaches of various types or they have internal colleagues who play that role, and that's part of the way you protect yourself from getting into those uh, situations where your blind spots are problematic. Mm.
0: Uh, and we've kind of t- touched this a little bit. How often should you be doing a blind spot assessment? Like, should it be monthly or should it be quarterly?
1: Well, one of the things I talk about in the book is the use of 360s, which are sometimes overused. But if you think of that as one way to surface blind spots, my recommendation is that a full 360 be done on a leader every two to three years. Hmm. Then on a more frequent basis, the individual leader can ask, I would say twice a year, is a healthy practice with a few people. You don't have to do a full assessment, but a few people you trust to say, is there anything that the person has noted? Uh, that could be construed as blind spots. Mm. And it doesn't mean they're all as accurate, but you at least want to surface those and have that dialogue. And one of the things I found that people have read the book, one of the questions they ask me if I work with them um, is, let's come back to my blind spots. They're interested in getting feedback. Uh, and my hope is that people reading the book will do the same with people close to them and just ask the open-ended question. What do you see? What do you think things that I'm not recognizing? And then being willing to explore that. One of the themes in the final chapters that I touch on is the importance of curiosity. If a leader is so driven or even defensive in some cases, they're not going to have a very productive discussion around this. And a better approach is to be curious as to why people would see those as blind spots, whatever they surface, looking for examples, because often the concrete examples are most helpful, and then even recommendations about how the person can deal with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, the ability to uh, take down the walls and say, okay, where are my blind spots, but then also be able to... to, to take those suggestions say, okay, that's fine, but I like this blind spot, so I'm going to keep it, and that's just the way it is?
1: You might argue that once you've had that conversation, it's no longer a blind spot, hmm. but I talk about the varying degrees of blindness, and there's complete blindness. You're unaware of it, but in the cases where you just don't respond, and one of the things you find is blind spots are not just in the leader. They're also in teams and in organizations. So in some cases, the leader may actually be more on the mark than the people around him or her. Mm. Um, and part of what the leader needs to determine is what do I want to act on?
0: You know, it, it's a, that's a, a brilliant point because, you know, a lot of the, the value of business books as a whole is reaffirming pre-existing values and understandings about what they are and make them feel confident about being a leader.
1: Well, let's take an example of a leader who may be extremely tough on the people on his or her team. Mm. And that's brought to the leader's attention and saying you're to the point where you're demotivating people or you're creating various forms of collateral damage in terms of going about what you believe is important. The leader might say, I understand that, but there's a benefit that goes with my approach and I'm not going to change that. In my mind, that's no longer a blind spot. That's a deliberate decision, Hmm. but the leader needs to understand what those perceptions are and the potential impact. And then he or she makes an informed decision around that. Hmm. That's, that's the whole point of this, is surface the blind spot, have the leader take a look and determine what's appropriate, and then he or she has a responsibility whether to act on it.
0: Now, for our listening audience, what is one thing that they can do today, other than go out and buy your book, of course, uh, that will help them move towards this, uh, this type of philosophy?
1: Well, one technique is to identify someone who knows you well, who's very honest, and who has insight into you and your business or organization that you value, someone you respect. And simply ask the person, do you see me having any blind spots that are impeding my effectiveness or the effectiveness of our organization? And simply ask that question to perhaps two or three people and then listen to what you get. And then depending on what you get back, determine whether a fuller assessment is needed. The first step is just to ask those few people uh, what they see. now. Again, the key is something you're not recognizing. They may surface something that you recognize, but the benefit of this are things that you don't recognize. And so explain what a blind spot is, and then listen to what they have to say, and then explore a bit, as I mentioned earlier, for examples and the like. Hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, it, that, that's, <laughs> that's the whole essence of a blind spot is you're blind to it. So uh, you can really get, uh, well, if you ask the people, you could get very, very uh, shocking news.
1: It depends on your, your level of self-awareness. Mm. But that's what you want to be open to, mm. so the things about yourself which you don't fully appreciate. In some cases, they can even be the things that you're doing that are positive. I, I structure the definition of blind spots around weaknesses or threats. But in some cases, if you looked at the, uh, the chapter about how blind spots operate, sometimes people are even unaware of their strengths. I don't describe that as a blind spot. But in some cases, leaders are even unaware of that. So it's increasing awareness of um, uh, the things that you're doing that you don't fully understand and the impact that they're having. Hmm.
0: We've been talking with Robert Bruce Shaw today, Leadership Blindspots, How Successful Leaders Identify and Overcome the Weaknesses that Matter. Thanks for being on the show, Robert.
1: Uh, Appreciate talking with you. Anything else I can uh, provide at this point?
0: Uh, do they have a uh, .com that they could go to?
1: Again, my company website, um, they can go to, or there's a Josie Bass Wiley website Mm. that's also listed in the book. So whatever you think is appropriate.
0: All right, awesome. Thanks again, Robert.
1: Pleasure talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, leave comments, or make a request on our website, businessbooktalk.com. See you next week.